On vacation in Florida, Gareth Griffith decided that he was going to try skydiving. And he was jumping in tandem with Michael Costello, who was an experienced instructor. But something went wrong. The main chute failed. No big deal, right? There's a backup chute. But that one failed too. The two men began to uh, go into a violent spin as they plummeted to their death. However, the instructor corrected the spin and regained control of the fall. Now Griffith was on the bottom and the instructor was on the top. But as they neared the ground, the instructor folded his arms and legs, causing the pair to rotate so that the instructor hit the ground first, cushioning his student's blow. Griffith survived, but Costello, the instructor, wasn't so lucky. He had sacrificed his own life so that Griffith could live. On a bleak Wednesday afternoon in 1982, a freak snowstorm had hit Washington, D.C., and it was in gridlock. That day, an Air uh, Florida Flight 90 barreled into the 14th Street Bridge only moments after takeoff. Out of the 78 people on board, all but six passengers were killed in the icy waters of the Potomac. Some 20 minutes go by and a U.S. Park police helicopter arrived to rescue the survivors. After getting one man to safety, the helicopter threw the life ring to Arland Williams. But he immediately gave the safety ring to the person next to him. When the helicopter came back for a third time, he did the same thing again. And then again. And when the helicopter came back for a final time, Arlen was dead. He'd used his last ounce of strength to save a complete stranger. These are pictures of great sacrifice. And Hebrews chapter 8 through 10 uh, tells us and shows us the last comparison of how Jesus is better. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Tim Mackey says the author of Hebrews shows us how Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice, vastly superior to any animal sacrifice offered in the temple. Those sacrifices had uh, to be offered daily and every year on the Day of Atonement. In contrast, Jesus offered his life once and for all. It was sufficient to cover the sins of the entire world. The author warns that walking away from Jesus is turning your back on God and his gracious offer of forgiveness. Jesus' sacrifice is permanent and it acts as the foundation for the new covenant spoken of in the prophets in which all sins are forgiven. Hebrews 9.11, if you want to turn there to chapter 9, that's where we'll start. Hebrews chapter 9. It says, but when Jesus appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and, the, uh, and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish, to God. 
purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The verses leading up to verse 11 here had talked about the limitations of the old law and the priest and how that mostly dealt with outward issues, but God is much more concerned with the heart. See, Jesus is better than the tabernacle and the temple, and Jesus is a better sacrifice. And because of that, it's not Jesus and temple worship, but Jesus only. Jesus is better. He entered once into the holy place with his own blood to pay a pardon for all of us. And if the blood of a cow can temporarily sanctify our sins in the Old Testament, how much more can the blood of the God-man Jesus? He raised us to life to serve the living God. Jesus is mediator, the go-between, the liaison. His death makes it possible. It redeems us. Verse 15 says, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised and eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. See, in order to get an inheritance from a will, the person who made it must die. The will maker must die. In a will, the death of the will holder activates the promises into reality. And Jesus died so that you might inherit eternal life. Verse 22 says, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. But without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. When the Bible refers to the shedding of blood, it means more than just a drop of blood, but rather the sacrificial atoning work of Christ through his death. The word blood is used as a substitute for death. See, just a pinprick on Jesus' finger wouldn't have been sufficient to cover our sins. Because God is a holy God and a just God cannot allow sin to slide. Sin creates a debt that must be paid for by someone. Jesus himself talks about his blood in Matthew 26, 28. It says, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is a better sacrifice. His blood and death covered our sins once and for all, forever. You don't have to keep coming back and asking for salvation. If it was sincere and genuine, then you are safe and secure in the blood of Christ. You are forgiven. You are saved. We've probably all found ourselves from time to time watching an infomercial about OxyClean, right? It could get wine stains out, grass stains, chili stains in the carpet, if you want to get it clean, get it oxyclean. Well, the death, burial, and resurrection is an even better cleaning agent. Apply once, forever, no need to rinse and repeat. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as an appointed man wants to die, and after that the judgment, so having been offered once to bear the sins of many, 
will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. A recent study just came out that death affects 100% of the population. We cannot avoid it. There is no one that can escape it. Death is unavoidable. It's appointed for men once to die. No one is exempt from this experience. However, the death of Christ was voluntary. He died to deal with sin. But when he comes back, he will usher us into the next life of a new heaven and a new earth. We sang about that uh, just a few minutes ago, about that day that we'll get to see his face. Next week, we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about the end from Revelation. That's something we get to look forward to. We have hope. Hebrews 10, 11 says, Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, and then he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies shall be made his footstool for his feet, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The sacrifice of Christ was made once and once only. The priests had sacrificed hundreds and thousands of time, uh, times, but Jesus made one sacrifice and then he dropped the mic. It was done. That was it. It was finished. No one even needed to go after him. Through that one sacrifice, he saved us for all time once and for all. And the wrath of God against sin was poured out on Christ so that it did not have to be poured out on you. Hebrews 10, 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So you can pay the price for breaking God's law or you can allow Christ to do it. That is the choice between accepting Christ or rejecting Christ. And you might say, well, I'm not really that bad. Ray Comfort says it this way, have you ever lied? then that makes you a liar, right? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Well, that's The Bible calls that a very serious sin called blasphemy. Have you ever looked at someone lustfully? Well, the Bible says, even Jesus says, that when we look at someone with lust in our hearts, that's the same as committing adultery. We've only gone through three of the Ten Commandments and most of us aren't doing very well. We're sinners. You and I are sinners, and that is a problem. But Jesus is the answer. And amazingly, God is omniscient, but he chooses to forget our sin. When God forgives, he forgets because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Your debt is paid. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Accept that gift, and you can be safe and secure forevermore, never again having to worry about your standing before God. And because of all this, there are some things that we can know. Hebrews 10, 19, 
says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, have you ever met anybody with confidence? Some people have too much confidence, right? A little bit overconfident. But this here says, we have confidence to enter the holy place, not by our good, but by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can go boldly to God with confidence. I remember having to really think about uh, when to approach my parents about certain things. If I wanted to go on a road trip at like age 17 or had uh, wanted some money for a certain thing, first I knew I could never ask them when they were stressed out. There were certain times that this is not a good time to talk to mom about that thing that I wanted to do. I also knew that I had to make sure that I needed to take the trash out or clean my room. Whatever they had recently asked me to do, I needed to get that done before I approached my mom about that thing. And then I also was always helpful if I could spin it in a certain way that made it seem like a really good idea. Like, this is really going to help me mature, mom. This is a good growing opportunity here. I can't mess this up. And you don't have to do that with God. Yes, you might need to get some sin out of the way between you and him, but you can go boldly to him with confidence. You don't have to have a formula. You don't have to have caution. You can approach your God with confidence. We can go right up to him. No need to worry about interrupting him. I can have assurance that I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the holiness of God was too intense and powerful for him to be approached. Moses only got to see his back. Paul was blinded by his glory. But now, through the sacrifice of Christ, we can waltz right up to God. You can have hope that you can hold on to, that your God will hear you. He sees you as innocent and pure. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If you're saved, there is only love in his eyes for you. Because of the way that God treats us, we should treat each other that way. We should encourage each other to do more good for God. Not to earn God's love, but to show our love for him. And we should be committed to meet together, to worship him together as a church, as a family. And push each other to be more like him. Again, at chapter, in chapter 10, we see a warning here. To be sure, our faith is not tied to something other than the gospel. Verse 26. It says, For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer uh, remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire 
that will consume the adversaries. Willful and habitual sin without conviction is proof of an unredeemed heart. You might not know God. If you can go on sinning deliberately with no conviction, no guilt. So God doesn't want us to live in fear of him if we have put our faith in Jesus. But if we have rejected Christ, verse 27 here is some scary stuff. And if we can willfully sin without guilt, it's prudent for us to check our relationship with God. Because once again, you can pay the price for your sin. But believe me, Jesus is a better sacrifice. Verse 39. But we are not of those that shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere their souls. Those that have truly accepted uh, the sacrifice of Christ will not shrink back. They will not sit down. They will have faith in the midst of struggle. Perseverance is a sign of true salvation. Lastly, chapter 13 closes this letter to these ancient Jewish Christians who were suffering persecution and people turning away from Christ, and he leaves them with this encouragement and this benediction. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Everything you need is found in him. He is the shepherd that you follow. He is the guarantor of the new covenant. He is the equipper of what we need. He works in us for his own glory. Jesus is a better messenger. Jesus is a better leader. Jesus is a better priest. And Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice was far bigger than one man taking the fall for another. It's far greater than passing the rope to rescue someone else. No one else had more to give up. No one else's sacrifice rescued more people. No one else's sacrifice saved all of mankind that would accept him. No one else's sacrifice lasts forever. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is a better sacrifice. So, Pastor Phil, what do we do with this? How does this change my life? How do I apply this? Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Love him. Why? Because he is worthy of our love. He is worthy to be cherished and adored and and there is no one else that comes close to him. In any comparison, Jesus is better. Every head bowed and eyes closed. We talked over the last four weeks a lot about Jesus and what the gospel is and what it means to us. We know that God personally stepped out of heaven to come and give us the message of this new covenant. 
We know that he stands between us and God and is a mediator. We know he's a leader that we can follow and we can model our life after. And we know that Jesus paid the sacrifice once and for all. So love him. Love him. Surrender to his will. Do the things that the Bible says please him and bring him joy. One of those things is bringing others to Christ. The Bible says there is more joy in heaven when one sheep comes to the knowledge of the salvation of Christ than 99 that need no salvation. One of the number one ways to get God excited and cause a party in heaven is to tell others about Christ. But let's love him. Why? Because he is worthy of our love. Because he is better than anything. With every head bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just want to spend a little bit of time right now just thanking God, thanking Jesus, having gratitude that you don't have to face hell this morning. You don't have to face the penalty of your sin, although you deserve it. Just thanking God for what he has done for us. Someone said once that the gospel is not the, the, the diving board into the Christian walk. That it's the pool. We need to dive deeper into the gospel and to remember what it means to be saved. Because that will stoke our love for God. And there's an amazing thing about love. It has power to expel the things in our lives that shouldn't be there. If you would love God more, you wouldn't struggle so much with those sin problems that we have. Why? Because you'll choose, I love God more than I love my sin. Let's spend a little bit of time this morning in prayer, just with gratitude, thanksgiving, was the last time you thanked God for saving you? Was the last time you really spent a little bit of time thanking Him for the cross and for the blood and for the resurrection? Let's do that this morning. Maybe you want to come down and uh, you feel like God wants you to come to the altar and kneel and uh, give a special prayer of gratitude and thanks. It's open for you here. You can use your pew as well. Let's pray.